Thanks for checking out the Crossing College and Career podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you and challenges you to walk confidently in your identity in Christ. So, real talk, I was thinking about what to say and, um, for this message, and I wanted to do like a birthday thing, and that didn't really work out. Of course, God was in a way of speaking. And so, he just wanted me to, I believe, get real with myself first, because I, I can't speak to you guys unless I'm doing that on my but have you ever heard the phrase real talk, like where it came from? I don't honestly don't like it. I don't like real talk. I don't like, um, what's the other one? Low key. Like nothing's low key. When you say low key, it's technically high key because you want people to know about it. And you're like, oh, low key, but like I'm going to yell it and I'm going to tell everybody. And it's like, that's not low key. But like these things, I'm just like not a fan of some of them. But real talk, right? I, I think when, when I think of it, I think of things that I have to tell either myself or my friends, like people around me, like, I'm either about to do something dumb, or one of my friends is about to do something real dumb, and I, you have to have that real talk with them. Like, everybody knows they've had those friends, guy or girl, they're in a relationship, they jump in real quick, and it's like been nine days. It's like, bro, or girl, whatever, like, I've already said I love you. Um, I think the next logical step in the relationship is we're probably gonna you know, quit my job. We're gonna move to Costa Rica. I'm gonna start a taco stand. We're gonna have three kids. They have this whole plan. It's like, bro, it's been nine days. Like, real talk. I think that's the dumbest thing you've ever said. Like, you don't need to do that. Or like girls. I see a lot of girls now on Instagram selling um, Monet. 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 It's called Monet. Monet. Someone, I bet you some people in here sell it. You're like, I'm about to roast you. <laughs> but people like quit their jobs. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to come ask you. See, this is the rude. If my prayer didn't work, I'm being rude already. But they quit their job and they sell like Monet or Tupperware or essential oils. And they invite you to their parties and like they have 216 like stories, like the stories where you can't even tell that the lines are there. And you're just like, Becky, I'm not buying your Tupperware. Like, real talk? <laughs> it's, not, it's not happening. Like, I'm not doing it. But you have to have real conversations, right, with people that um, you're close to and who you care about. And what I want to propose tonight is that one of the people, the person that we need to be most real with most of the time who we don't really take into account is ourselves. And so having real talks with ourselves. See, I quoted this guy, Martin Lloyd-Jones, last month, um, the first night we had back. And what this guy said was, along the lines of, most unhappiness in life is attributed to you listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself. So think about that. Most unhappiness in life is attributed to you listening to yourself rather than you talking to yourself. So I want you guys to I mean, for me personally, I take those thoughts that, like, when you wake up in the morning, you don't know where they came from, you don't know why they're there, definitely not God thoughts, or at night, or whenever it is, take those thoughts that just automatically come, and they are, like, bombarding your mind. Where do they come from? They're bringing up the problems of yesterday, or the problems of tomorrow, or what you did wrong, or how bad you are, how far away you are from God, how could you be a child when you did this sin, and there's just all these things we start to listen to that, and I, 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 mean, I don't think you guys are dumb. I think every person in here hopefully would agree that that's probably not God. It's probably not God, but what we do is we get this habit of we'll start to listen to that voice. And I'm all for sometimes here and there, like, you know, following your 
gut, like there is some substance to that. But a lot of times, when we know these lies come into our lives, we give them so much merit and we attribute truth to them. And we just listen to it all day long. Sometimes this goes on for days, weeks. Some people have been in this routine for months, years. And it takes control of our life. You see, there's like a, there's a thing where it says, you've heard, um, like, your closest five friends or something. That's who you're going to be. Like, who, what are you watching on TV? What's influencing you? All very valid. I believe what you put into your mind is what's going to come out. I am not saying that's not true. But I think, and I also want to propose that potentially you may be the most influential person in your life. You just may be the most influential person in your life. And why is that? It's because you're constantly communicating with yourself. You can be talking to other people. What's going on? You're having a conversation in your head about how you're going to respond, what you don't want to say, or how you really feel about them. Like, you're not even listening sometimes. You're wondering why they got something in their teeth, why they didn't do their hair, you're looking like busted today, whatever it is. Like, that's what it's but like. We're always talking to ourselves, right? We're always talking to ourselves. And... What I want to get into today is the scripture we're going to be reading from Psalm 42. And I want you guys to take this art. I guess the best way to say it is are you listening to the lies or are you telling truths? Are you going to continue listening to lies or are you going to tell yourself the truth? You've got to talk. You can't just listen all the time. Sometimes you have to talk truth. And the more you talk truth, the less listening. To those lies is going to invade your life. And that's what it is. It's an invasion. But in Psalm 42, so David is kind of attributed to writing this, like technically not, maybe kind of, sort of, but we're going to go with that. Um, they feel that he read it, uh, wrote it because there's um, Psalm 43 that follows right after it. It's just how David used to write Psalms. There's another one, um, 60 something. I don't want pastors probably know it. But it's closely related to this. And so what they think is that he wrote this in a time where his son Absalom, so David was king, and his son Absalom was basically like taking over the kingdom from him. And so David actually fled. And so they feel like potentially he wrote this psalm during that time. And what the psalm is, is uh, in the title, it says this word, it says masculine. And I could pronounce it wrong. You can talk to me about it later. I probably won't listen. Um, <laughs> but what it means is instruction and godliness. So that's how the song starts. It means instruction, godliness, or understanding, or intelligence, or teaching. So what it's telling us right there is this, this song is going to teach you how to do something in life. And so we're going to read it verse by verse. We're going to read the verse 2 right here. So Psalm 42, verse 1 uh, and 2, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? It's so cool because I didn't tell Jonathan anything about what I was preaching on. And he was talking about hunger and thirst. So thanks for that confirmation. But the deer, right? So there's deer running through the woods, longing for water, and his soul is thirsting after God, right? So a long time ago, I did a um, message on Psalm 23, and talked about sheep, you know, and I did like way too much research on sheep, and I know everything about it. It was really weird. But I did the same thing with deer here. And what I found out was a cool fact that deer, actually, when they're being chased by predators, so... Uh, they'll jump into like a body of water really quick, as quick as they can, most of the time like a river. And what they'll do is they'll try and go downstream and they'll be uh, very intentional about going down the middle of it. Because on the sides of the river or stream or whatever it is, there's branches on trees and things and they don't want their 
skin to touch it because whatever's chasing them can pick up on that scent. And so they're very like strategic about like staying in the middle of the river. But what they'll do is if they see the predators, they'll they'll literally submerge their entire body in the water and they'll just have like their nose outside there. They'll be floating downstream. So they'll breathe that way, like some awkward snorkel or something, I don't know. But that's how they escape predators. And I've always read this verse when I look at it, and I'm like, okay, so there's a deer, he's thirsty, I'm a deer, I need God, I'm going to go drink some water to quench his thirst. But when you look at it in the light of the deer submerging himself in the water, rather than just going to take a drink and then go back, how much more so do we need to do that with God, right? That's good. So a lot of the times we're coming to the stream and we're like, God, I'm hurting. God, the relationship didn't work out. I can't pay my bills. You didn't do what you said you were going to do. At the time, I thought you were going to do it. So I need you now. So, and it's real. Like, you're on your knees. You're crying. Whatever it may be. But you, like, take a sip of water. And once you're feeling good again, you're like, all right, that was great. Roll, like, right out. Until the next bad thing happens. And so you're getting, how many times have you, like, gotten little doses, little touches, little droplets of water here and there when God is asking us just like you hear like submerge yourself in me and live in that place That's you're going to be free from the predators you're going to be free from everything nothing bad happening again no he's not saying that but his protection is going to be there when we are submerged in his presence that's good and so that was the coolest thing when I, I read this verse what David here is doing he's, re- he's reached this place where he knows that only God can meet the need that he has right now that's the only thing that he can do. Nothing makes sense. It's like, this is my son, my, my biological bloodline. It's my blood, and he has turned his back against me. Not only that, taking everyone with him as well and turned their backs on me. And so we're, he, he fled. And I mean, who would have thought he would have done that? Like, if you're a king of somewhere, it's like, all right, I'm just going to kill you. But, I mean, you don't know what is going through his head in this song. And so he's crying out to God and saying, you're the only one that can fix this. And so what he says here is we learn why he thirsts in this question is at the end of verse 2, he says, when can I go and meet God? He asks that question, when can I go and meet with God? In other words, what's happening is he's experiencing a sense of God's delay. Because he's met with God before. He didn't get to the place that he is right now without knowing who God is. And so he knows God has met his needs in the past, and he knows that he's going to meet them again. But for some reason, this help is delayed. And it's hard for him to bear. I think we can all agree that waiting blows. Right? It's not comfortable. It leads to frustration. And when we're in a delay, and we're in a wilderness, you can even call it a wilderness, when we're in these places, what we do is we tend to take things into our own hands, right? And we start listening to ourselves rather than talking to ourselves about the promises that God has already made us. So whether it be a job that God maybe promised you and said you were going to get, but it hasn't happened in two weeks, you're like, screw this, i got to go do this on my own because you're not working. Right? If it's, he's promised you a, a spouse, a wife, or a husband, and you say, God, yeah, I'm, I'm not even close. You know? Like, the next person that even looks at me, I'm going after. Some people are real aggressive like that. That's where you get in the nine days, and next thing you know, you're like close to reaching out of Taco Sand. But right, like God's delay is there, and you're like, okay, I don't know whether to go here or there. Like, I want to trust you, but at the same time, I don't 
feel anything that you're doing for me. That's where the trap is in the delay is in your feelings. Because you can decide to make a decision to rest, to rest on the truths and promises of God. And as soon as those thoughts come into your mind, morning, middle of the day, at night, it doesn't really matter. You start standing on the word of God. And I mean physically just speak truth. That's where, that's how we, when scripture talks about us, transformation, like renewing of the mind, it's through the word. That's how we do it. It's not hard. But a lot of the times the feelings are so strong and we are caught in this place where we're getting chased by a predator, so to speak, and you don't know what to do, so you just take things in your own hands. And even though you know you're listening to a lie, you still go along with it. And I've been there probably thousands of times. But we get caught in this trap of listening to a lie rather than talking truth. And the thing is, we all want God to immediately answer our prayers because it feels good, but there's going to be times when God is not going to do that. And it's a test of our faith. It's, are you going to persevere and endure through this thing? Because I'm building something up so strong inside of you that the next time something like this comes, you're going to be prepared, and so on and so on and so on. It's a constant growth model that God has designed that we have to be on board with if we're going to choose to follow him. And so what happens here is David is experiencing this delay, and it's made worse by his enemies taunting him, so you can use that as the voice inside of your head that you're listening to. But verses 3 and 4 say this, My tears have been my food day and night. Gee, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> when I read that, I was like, oh, God, I, don't, I hope I never get there. While people say to me all day long, so this could be outsiders or yourself talking to yourself, you know, where is your God? How many times does that happen to you? Like, I know I believe in Someone said, oh, God. <laughs> but, like, how many times does that happen to you? Like, God, do you even care at all? Do you care? So, verse 4, he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throne. What he's saying here is, all I'm doing is remembering what God did for me. When you get stuck in these positions, how did God help you in the past? Hopefully, everyone here has even the smallest testimony about a delay, about a promise, about him delivering you out of something, helping a family friend, helping whatever it is, a grade you got to school. Somebody has a testimony about how God came through for you. Period. Amen? Amen. But God has come through for you before. And so what David is doing is using this simple tool of saying, I'm going to remember what you did for me. But it's hard for us. It's hard for me personally because, like, I tend to say I'm a realist, which is funny because it's like real talk, but, like, I think I can be pessimistic sometimes and negative, but I mask it and say, oh, I'm just being real. Um, but I remember the bad things, like, way too often. So, whatever it may be, and if you're, like, freaking house on fire or something, I don't know. Coronavirus, like, we're going to remember that for sure. But, like, how easy is it for us to remember the bad things? And especially when I'm trying to meditate and remember what God did for me, I remember so much of what he didn't do for me, or how he could have came through in this way, or how I would have done it better if I was... But what you're doing is you're playing God. 
We can't fall into the habit of that, of listening to ourselves and saying, man, I would have went here, I would have done it this way, I would have put this person in my life, you use this, and that really hurt me, God. And you were, and before long, you're like, you got to take a step back and take an objective look at your situation and say, am I God? Am I trying to orchestrate all these things in my life, or have I truly turned my life over to him? That's good. And that's a decision that you have to come to terms with in your heart. Some of us aren't there yet, maybe. But some of us are, and we have this song that we sing, and we have this Christian lifestyle that we tell people about, but in your heart, are you really living that out? This is not me attacking you. It's a conviction coming from God saying, hey, let's get real about this. That's good. Let's have a real talk with ourselves. Stop listening to those lies and speak that truth that I put right here in front of you. Amen. That's good. You know? Amen. And so David is showing us that what he's doing is remembering what God did. But this is the verse we're going to concentrate on right here. It's verse 5. And he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? So this is almost like the part where he's listening to himself. He's like, I know I feel like crap. I know that I'm drinking my tears. Like, this is the worst thing that's happened to me. But immediately right after, he says, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He not only says this right here, but like six verses later in verse 11, he says the same exact thing. And then in the very next chapter, in Psalm 43, five verses into it, he says the same exact thing again. Three times within 15 verses. That doesn't happen a lot in Scripture. And so there's something here where he's saying, I'm not downplaying the real emotion of my soul feeling terrible, but I'm not about to listen to it. Period. I'm going to talk to it and say, put your hope in God. I'm going to praise him. He's my Savior. He's my God. That's good. And I'm afraid that a lot of the times we just don't do that. And the reason I'm preaching that, like I'm up here talking, is because I wasn't doing that. And God's like, listen, stop succumbing to the depression. Stop succumbing to the negativity. Stop succumbing to those thoughts that are in your head that you know are lies, but they seem so powerful at the time, you just don't know what to do about them. You see, and then we can push it along to other people, and you make them depressed, and you're like, hey, brother, I just need some, I need some prayer, man, and I'm really down on my luck, and all this stuff, and that and the other. And it's like, I, I'm all for prayer. I'm all for us coming together. But at the same time, like, what are you doing, you know, at home when these things are coming? Are you just letting them come sing in, and you're reaching out to a friend or a pastor and say, I need you to heal me? Or are you talking the truth of God to that problem? That's good. Because those things need to be coupled and partnered together. I'm not downplaying the other, but they need to be partnered and coupled together. And so this psalm, like I said before, it's a teaching psalm. It's teaching us like how to get in that sunshine again, to get in God's presence again. David right here, he's not, he's not surrendering. He's literally fighting for hope. And so what we have to do is tell ourselves, like, this emotion is going to pass. This feeling, even though it's been here for a while, it's going to go away. God's going to come through because he came for. I don't care if it takes a month, a week, ten years. He's going to come through. Come on. It's not my job to decide when it is. It's my job to decide to be faithful. That's good. And stand in his truth. And so that's exactly what you do. And it goes something like this, and I wrote this down. And put your name in here. But when these things happen, you say, listen up, Stephen. So I'm going to speak for myself. If God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. He, did, he who did not spare his son gave him up for you, Stephen. He not freely give you all things. Who's going to bring any charge against you? Your God's elect, Stephen. 
It's God who justifies you, Stephen. Come on. It's Jesus who died. Yes, and he was raised. He's at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for you. What can separate you from the love of God, Stephen? Put your name in there. I guarantee you, if you have a problem, if something's going on, if you have a thought in your head that's negative, if you say that for 30 seconds one time, maybe it needs to be two or three, I don't know, take the minute instead of the 30 seconds. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not that difficult, but we make it so hard. If you say that, there is no scheme the enemy can hold up against that. You can't. It's impossible. It is impossible. We have to stop listening to lies. We have to start speaking truth to ourselves. And I'm going to give you, as we end right here, three simple truths just to preach to your heart whenever you feel any of that. And you can go across the spectrum of how you feel. But if you know it's not a God thought, preach these truths to your heart. It's how we recenter ourselves around God. It's how we practically transform and renew our mind. So the first one is God is faithful. Deuteronomy 7.9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God. Keeping his covenant to the love of a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. So when you're wanting to listen to yourself, talk to yourself that. Know that God is faithful. We've got to start with God. We don't have to start with our problem, our situation, or even us. We start with God to come to a solution. No matter what the problem is. And the Bible even goes on, in 2 Timothy even talks about, even when like we're not faithful, God is still faithful, it says. That's faithful. Even when we're not doing the right thing, even when we're letting the negativity come in our lives, even if we're, you know, sinning and, you know, we're repenting, but kind of here and there, we're going back and forth, God's still faithful. Amen. He doesn't care. There's nothing that you're doing or you have done or that you will do that's bigger than God. We treat our sin, especially when we come to these ones that the big ones are, you know, sexual immorality. So we talk about pornography, drinking. Smoking, like the big ones, you know, so to speak. And people are all these things, like, how is God ever? God is like so above that, it's literally minuscule compared to the love that He wants to shed through something like that. And I think a lot of the times we think we're so entangled by these things that He can't shed His love through it. If we just wake up and start preaching these truths to ourselves, God is going to overpower those sins. Overpower those things in our life, your strongholds that have tormented you for so long, and you're going to speak truth to them. God's word is going to show up. Amen. You just have to do that. We have we have a part to play. So God is faithful. The second one, God is in control. Psalm 47, 7 through 8 says, For God is the king of all earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations, God is seated on his holy throne. He holds the entire world in his hands. Amen. Sing a little song if you want. The whole world, the entire thing in his hands, created it all, numbered the hairs on your head, knows everything about you, has a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen. Did not create you on accident. You've got something to do. He's in control of every situation. If you can rest in that, it's going to empower you become the person that God created you to be. The third and last one is God is going to keep you. So Romans 8 says, who shall, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, uh, persecution, 
famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No. And all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, height, depth, anything in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's powerful. He promises right here to keep you. There's nothing that's going to separate you from him. He will keep you. He's going to keep his end of the bargain if we keep ours. Amen. He's a just and faithful God. He can't not do it. He can't. So God is going to bring every single one of his children through this life to a better one. Like I said, you got a plan, a purpose, and a specific will for your life. So, when you come into these things, we call them things, that you can't keep to sh- seem to shake off, they're overpowering your life. They, they're taking control of the moment you wake up to the time you go to bed, and you don't know what to do anymore, and you're at a point of desperation where you don't even know how to talk to God. When you start talking to Him, you just physically bigger than that. He wants you to be so transparent with him sometimes you just have to sit there and say, God, I don't even know what to say. Like, I can't even talk. Sometimes you get to those points, and you may not be there, but those wilderness seasons and those thoughts and those things that we listen to and the negativity and the pessimism and the world around us and COVID and job and whatever, it doesn't really matter. Like, They're taking control of our lives. And God is saying, man, if you could just concentrate on one thing, me, rather than 900 million things and try to take control of them, I'll figure those things out for you. If we focus our energy on God alone, he takes care of the rest. And so I pray that each and every single one of us, myself included, can get to a place where first we're transparent with God because if we're not real with Him, it's hard for Him to, to work with us. He knows your heart. You can't put on a front. He knows every single thing about you. And so when there's nothing left to do, what I want us all to do is fall down on Scripture. Amen. To start, I know it's such a pastor thing to say, it's like, read your Bible. It's like, that's boring. I don't want to do it. Like, I don't want to do something. But it's the only thing that works. Nothing else works. And until you actually, for yourself, experience the truth of God, sharper than double-edged sword, like literally pierce through a situation and him come through, you're not going to know. You're just going to be listening to somebody else's testimony and hoping it works for you one day. Like, create your own. Create your own testimony. Create your own wins with God. Talk to yourself. Be that weirdo that talks to themselves. I don't care. You see people with those Bluetooth headsets when they came out? Like, I was like, look at this idiot talking to himself. Because <laughs> I didn't know what they were. But like, talk to yourself. I don't care. If something's happening at work, take 30 seconds and have a scripture written in your notes in your phone that you just say over yourself. And that's it. Like, take baby steps. Do something after tonight. Whatever you're doing, do something a little bit more. All of us, I'm not going to tell you where to go, but like, we, there's a huge spectrum here. Do a little more. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> Write some scripture on your heart. I don't care if it's one verse. 
I'm serious though. Like you got you got to start somewhere. So just be real with yourself. Be real with your situation. Don't put on a front for God. Start listen. Start talking to yourself rather than listening to the lies. And that is the only message that I have for tonight. So what I want you guys to do is, if you guys can bow your heads and close your eyes, if you want to take that next step, I'm going to pray over you. And I just want to see who wants to take that next step and say, I'm tired of listening. I'm tired of listening to the lies. I'm tired of listening to anything. I'm tired of controlling my life. What I want to do is turn my life around, turn it towards Christ, write scripture on my heart, and preach to myself. If that's you, and you want to just start doing that, I just want to pray over you. So if that's you, raise your hand really quick. Father, I pray for every person in this room right now, hands raised for our raised, God, move in all of us. We don't have the courage to stand up right now. Give us that courage, God. Give us a fire that rejuvenates our spirit and our soul and even our physical body, God. I pray for miracles, for us to start seeing things that are out of the realm of our expectations, for us to see things and hear things that we've never felt before, God, for you to show up in a new way and to speak to us individually, speak to us uniquely, God. You know what every single person here going through, what they need to hear, how they need to hear it, and I pray that you touch their hearts right now. I pray that any stronghold or situation or sin that is over any person right now is canceled and removed in the name of Jesus, and I pray that the power of your word is manifested in their life. God, we thank you for what you're doing for your people already, but you're going to do something miraculous through this generation, through the people in this room. And I pray we don't discount ourselves as we're not good enough. We can never be there. We can't make it. I've done too much. I'm here. I'm there. I'm too tall, too short. I'm too black. I'm too white. God, let all of that go away. It doesn't matter. Your call on our life is what matters. And I pray that we align our spirits with that. And that is what leads us and that is what guides us. So I pray for that power. All tangible power, God, for every person in this room. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out the Crossing Church Message podcast with Pastor Greg Dumas. Once again, thank you so much for listening.